A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Get in the long teams with a bunch of demons. We believe that human beings are demons. Oh, I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith in his son... <laughs> Right? 2 Corinthians 3 7. Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. And right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. Dog episode 70. I am your host, the Evangelical Norm. So today we are going to do a double header. Uh, so this podcast started uh, dealing with uh, the Saints Unscripted podcast, which at the time was three Mormons, or they had just become Saints Unscripted, and they started doing a, a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs. <clears throat> and I said I was going to respond to every one of those Faith and Beliefs videos, no matter how dumb they are. And there have been a few where I've gone, eh, maybe this is where I break my commitment. But I have held strong, and I have responded to every one of those videos. And today is another one of those videos where it's like, I really don't care to respond to this because it's kind of, it's kind of pointless. Um, but there's a redemption because on the other side of it, I'm going to actually respond to uh, one of the other videos from this week from the Saints Unscripted where they gave five reasons you should join the Mormon church, apparently. So that's the one I really want to respond to. But because I've made a commitment to respond to all of the faith and beliefs episodes, um, we're going to look at that one first, and then we're going to jump into 
the uh, Saints Unscripted uh, regular podcast video, um, and that'll be the one where we get uh, the meat of this this episode out of. So, without further ado, we're going to let David talk about uh, what David likes to talk about, and this one is really just kind of dumb, so we'll get into it. Here we go. Hey guys, so when a lot of people read the scriptures, they read a single chapter or a single story without understanding where and how that story fits into the bigger historical picture. <laughs> I can't read. So in this episode, we're going to review largely Old Testament history, but also show where a couple of Book of Mormon events fit into that history. It's going to be super fun, and hopefully you can connect some dots that maybe you haven't connected yet in your head. So here we go. This is not going to be super fun, I promise. Let's start from the very beginning. We've got Adam and Eve. Eventually, they start a family, and among their kids are Cain, Abel, and Seth. If you follow... Wait, wh why didn't you start at the very beginning with uh, the pre-mortal existence or Elohim's existence on Kolob or the god that he worships pre-mortal existence or that god's pre-mortal existence or... what? You didn't start at the beginning. But then again, for Mormons, there really is no beginning. Although Seth's lineage for several generations, you get Noah, as in Noah's Ark and the Great Flood. His family survives the flood, and his sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth work to restart their civilization. They why does nobody want to ever just call him Ham? Why, why does it have to be Ham? Dude's name is Ham. Let's not get fancy in our pronunciations. Get into a little trouble, though, when their descendants try to build a tower to get to heaven. How sick could you get? As a consequence of their wickedness, their languages get all scrambled, except for a group of people who were spared and commanded by God to build barges, cross the ocean, and inherit their promised land in the Americas. This group comes to be known as the Jaredites, and you can read all about their story in the Book of Mormon. Pretty convenient that the Bible doesn't say that anybody was spared, but yet... Joe, when he put together the Book of Mormon, decided to do that. Meanwhile, the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth start spreading out. If you skip down several generations in Shem's family tree, you'll find a guy named Abraham, who had a son named Isaac, whose son was Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. One by the name of Joseph was sold into Egypt by his brothers, where he came to power and ended up later saving his family, which was forced into Egypt because of a famine. Unfortunately, the descendants of these 12 sons, known as Israelites, were eventually enslaved by the Egyptians until Moses came along and freed them. Remember, biblically, these are the descendants of Noah's son, Shem. You've probably heard terms like Semite or anti-Semitism or Semitic languages. Those all stem from the name Shem. After 40 years of living in the desert, the Israelites take their promised land from the Canaanites and establish a kingdom which is initially ruled by judges like Deborah and Samson, then they're ruled by kings, such as Saul, David, and Solomon. After Solomon's reign in about 930 BC, the kingdom of Israel split in two. Roughly 10 of the 12 tribes stay in the northern kingdom of Israel, and the other two, Judah and Benjamin, live in the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom lasted for about 200 years until it was conquered by the Assyrians in 721 BC. They hauled off most of the people from those 10 tribes back to Assyria. 
those people come to be known as the Lost Ten Tribes. The Assyrians repopulated the Northern Kingdom with Assyrians, who intermarried with the sparse remaining Israelites, which was a violation of the Law of Moses because the Assyrians were Gentiles. The posterity of these relationships would be known as Samaritans, and that's one of the many reasons why people disliked Samaritans. Many viewed them as mudbloods. That's horrible. It's disgusting. In 701 BC, the Assyrians also tried to conquer the southern kingdom of Judah. But miraculously, the attack on Jerusalem was a complete flop. This led to the belief that the great city Jerusalem could never fall. It may be why, about 100 years later, Jerusalem residents Laman and Lemuel thought their dad was crazy when he prophesied that Jerusalem would fall to the Babylonians. That prophet's name was Lehi. In about 600 BC, he, his family, and some others left Jerusalem built a boat, crossed the ocean, and set up camp in the Americas. The vast majority of the Book of Mormon is the story of this family and their posterity. And sure enough, during the reign of King Zedekiah in 587 BC... And yet we've got no real archaeological evidence of any of that happening in the Americas. Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians. But in the scuffle, one of the king's sons named Mulek escaped with a small group of people. Like Lehi's group, they also came to the Americas, and their story is also recorded in the Book of Mormon. Most everyone else in Jerusalem was hauled off to Babylon. This is known as the Babylonian captivity. The difference between the northern and southern kingdoms, though, is that these southern captives were allowed to return to Jerusalem after the Babylonians were conquered, by the Persians, even though many just stayed in exile like Esther, hence why she became a Jewish queen to a Persian king. The Old Testament ends with the Persians in charge. The New Testament begins, roughly 450 years later, with the Romans in charge. Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. But during that time, the Holy Land actually trades hands quite a few times. In the 330s BC, the Greeks, led by Alexander the Great, took the Holy Land during their successful campaign to conquer the Persians. When Alexander died, his empire was divided into four empires. Ptolemy and his Egyptian empire ruled the Holy Land for a bit until they were conquered by the Syrian Seleucids. In 167 BC, the Maccabees, a prominent family in Jerusalem, led a successful revolt against the Seleucids and the Holy Land was finally once again independent for a while until the Romans incrementally took control between 63 and 37 BC. Thus, at the beginning of the New Testament, we find the Romans in charge, with Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem to pay taxes. So there's a brief history of events for you from Adam and Eve up to the birth of Christ. Let us know in the comments if you learned something new or if you've got questions, and have a great day. Okay, while this plays out, we get ready to jump into this next one. I don't want to pause because um, we'll lose our place. So I want to let it go on to the next video, and then I'll pause it when the new one starts. But here's the problem with a lot of this is, David, you left out all of the history of uh, Jeranek, the, uh, the, the children and the legacy of Aranek, um, who were those who... Uh, I'm assuming around the same time, I haven't read the book of Jeranek. I, I started it. It was bad. I couldn't do it. Um, but I'm assuming right, probably either around the time of the Jaredites or, uh, when Lehi supposedly left Jerusalem, that this group of other people 
descended from a dude named Aranek, and they're all named Anek, Jaranek, Zemanek, and some other necks. Uh, went to the British Isles, and a man who claims to be a prophet, Matthew Gill, translated that book, uh, and so he has presented this, and why why do you guys not uh, buy into that uh, history? Why is that not um, being uh, added into your history? I mean, cool story, bro, but I can add all kinds of stuff in to, you know, what was actually a, a fairly good presentation of I mean, pretty good presentation of biblical history, Old Testament history. You just got a bunch of fiction uh, plugged in there in different places. So, yeah, I mean, okay, you you gave us that, and it's really nothing to deal with anything. And so it's just a bunch of made-up stuff. But now, so there you go. Hope that was helpful. Um, I hope you enjoyed David's little walk down memory lane and with a little bit of uh, Joseph Smith dementia thrown in. So this was the video I really wanted to talk about, and this could cause us to get into a pretty long episode today. So marathon episode, uh, there's your warning, uh, 13 minutes in. So, um, But we're going to let these guys talk. Uh, this is Taylor and Justin, and they are going to try to present some reasons, five of them in fact, of why people should join the LDS church. So here we go. Um, today, right? like we have modern revelation that's like, this is what the Savior said last month. <laughs> you know, yeah. to paraphrase. Right, right, right. right. reasons you should join the LDS church. I had no idea how to even act during that whole thing. <laughs> so these guys get even a little, I've always mentioned how the, they, they throw in the little silly clips and stuff to take something that's very serious and make it seem a little lighter. These guys, especially Justin, um, I, I, I find him slightly irritating, but uh, just in the way that he acts, he's, he's, uh, since Kwaku is gone, he's kind of become the comic relief, and he's not as good at it as Kwaku was. Um, and so, but again, they throw in these little, this little silly stuff to try to make it uh, the seriousness of it to make it a little more palatable. So, um, get used to that. I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> oh. oh, wow, wow, My wow, bad. wow. <laughs> I guess it's hard because any Christian church, majority of Christian churches have very, very similar reasons to join to join it, them. To, to become a Christian. And, and you don't even have to join a church to believe in Christ and live right. a lot of the principles that we are, like they all teach. Yeah. Okay, so he's already starting off with some works stuff. Um, and I guarantee you, um, the true Christians, a true Christian church... An Orthodox Christian church has a very different reason that you should join, uh, become a Christian beyond what anything that these guys present here. Nothing similar to what they present here. Yeah, but I guess what are, what are, what's one of the things that you think sets the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints apart? Well, that 
That, that has a lot of answers, but I think that if I were to, but we're doing top five. I know, right? So I know. You and so this episode is going to be hard. Got to be decisive. I know. If I had to narrow everything down, not everything, but most of my favorite <laughs> things down to one thing, I would say that we have the gift of the Holy Ghost. The goalie host. Right. Right. The goalie. The goalie <laughs> host. Uh, <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> so, like. A lot of people don't know what we mean when we say this because a lot of people have experienced and felt the Holy Ghost. Like when I was on my mission, I talked to a lot of Christians who had felt the influence of the right. Holy Ghost, right? And that's what they talk about in Galatians. You've got like the fruits of the Spirit with joy and love right. and, and peace and everything. And they're like, I have the Holy Ghost all the time. I don't need to join your church to have the Holy Ghost. Well, there's a difference. And I, I guarantee that because... Not a lot of people, even though they felt the, the influence of the Holy Ghost, not a lot of people had experiences communicating with the Holy Ghost. You know? Taylor, guarantee. Like if you, <laughs> like if you had, if you were able to, like if you had a prompting that right. told you to go talk to that person mm -hmm. or that things were going to be okay or that you needed to take this route in your life. Some people, a lot of people had those kind of instances like once or twice throughout their life. And in my life, I've there have been years at a time where I had those experiences like multiple times right. a day. That's uh, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I've been thinking about this lately in the sense that, like, I re you, when you realize that's not normal, mm -hmm. that that's what's interesting when you're talking to people who I guess aren't Christian but also who aren't members of the church, and you're yeah. talking about how they they just their thought process, how they make decisions and everything. And I'm like, well, I say a prayer, and I get an idea. And it almost always turns out to be for my benefit. And you go through and you with go it, through with and it. it. And I'm like, out. and that's just my everyday life. You know, when yeah. people, I've I've had friends from high school reach out and they'd be like, "Dude, how's it going?" I'm like, yeah, "I always remember you being a really nice guy." What? And I was just like, it was just because I was always doing what I felt the Holy Ghost prompting me to do. So feelings, um, feelings is a good reason to join the LDS Church. So you got uh, you basically your um, your your helpful decision maker there with you and and not that you can't make decisions on your own right i mean i i don't pray about what i'm going to wear in the morning i don't pray about you know what socks i'm going to wear and and let the holy spirit prompt me and guide me um i so again i i think the holy spirit's job is to point us to christ and 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 give uh understanding of Christ and, and can the Holy Spirit lead us in, in different things? Absolutely. I believe that, that sometimes, and I'm, I'm not a cessationist by any means. Um, but I don't think that it's an, an ongoing prophetic or revelatory relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have the word of God that tells us what is right and what is wrong. And we can look at the, the Bible and understand these things. Um, and then we have a conscience as well. And so it's not that the Holy Spirit is constantly um, prompting you to go this way or go that way. Turn left here, turn right here. He's, he's not a spiritual GPS. And that's kind of what you guys make him sound like he is. Um, no, the Holy Spirit is, is far greater than just the spiritual GPS that you're kind of uh, indicating here. And they're like, what does that even me you know yeah. like how does and so um and it's not to say that people um who aren't who don't have the gift of the holy ghost can't receive like um right promptings but but we believe that that's the differentiation there is that that's the light of christ 
Mm. Like that the light of Christ is the influence for all to do good. But the actual gift of the Holy Ghost, I mean, as you don't know you have it till you have it. You know? That's <laughs> like, true. Don't... You don't know what it is. Here, here's the thing with neo-Mormonism. All right. And that, that it's my term. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use it. Neo-Mormonism. These younger guys, and I've talked to a lot of them as I've gone out and done evangelism at the temples and stuff like that. 20 years ago, when I got saved, 20 years ago, 23 years ago, when, when God saved me and I started having conversations with, with Mormon people and having been Mormon, there was no, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, just lack of confidence in your answers. It's like Justin keeps trying to answer a question, but he has to keep backing it up because I don't really want to offend anybody. And, 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 and back in the day, it was the Mormon church is the true church. I mean, there would be one answer to this question that they're presenting here when I was LDS, and it was that it is the one true church, um, and that's it, period. That was the reason why missionaries went to people's doors forever, was to tell them that they were, they were part of a, an incorrect church and that they needed to join the one true church. None of this wishy-washy stuff would have, would have gone down back in the day. It feels like or what, how to experience Don't. it until you've experienced it. So all in all, revelation. I think revelation is my yeah, number yeah, one like thing. Yeah, revelation. Like, yeah. More like actual prophecy. It's the prophecy. Prophecy. The prophecy of Durin's book. Yes, exactly. So Spiritual what would GPS. you say for our second best thing about being a member of the church? What would you say? And these aren't like order of no, no, actual no. best. But the second of but the yes, the second ones of, we're talking uh, about. I think um, our doctrine okay. of being sealed mm. is very unique because a lot of people, when they get married, they just think they're going to be together forever. I, I, like a lot of people, anybody I've talked to is like, yeah, we're married. And yes, it says till death do you part, but we'll be together in heaven because we love each other. Right. And I am like, and I appreciate the sentiment. I think that's beautiful. But I'm like, but how? Like, yeah. By what power because are you bound together? Your love alone? Wow. True wow. And I'm like, and I'm not, I'm not telling them this. I'm not some kind of like cynic who's like, you're right, <laughs> but not. Um, no, but I think that's what's so cool is that that's actually part of our doctrine. We, we go past than just the, well, maybe we probably will be together. We don't just speculate about it. No. Like, this is something like, that This is a guarantee, happens. like a, a God-given guarantee that by his power you will be bound together for all eternity. Well, and what's so funny to me is that, like, those people you're talking about, like, oh, yeah, we'll be together. From from what I know, at least most of Christianity, they don't believe that marriage continues after death. Right. They don't, it's, like, marriage does not continue in heaven. Because of a certain scripture in the Bible, which right. people choose to choose to make the, the basis of that. Right, something Christ said to a Pharisee uh -huh. at some point. Why don't you give us the verse? Why don't you just tell us what Jesus actually said? When they came to him, and I believe it was the Sadducees that came to him, and because the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrection. 
this was that they were trying to catch him on this. And so they came to him and they said, look, a man, according to the law of Moses, if a man dies before bearing children, then his wife will marry his brother and, and so on and so forth down. And if a man had a, a man has seven husbands or seven brothers and his wife marries all of them and none of them have kids, whose wife is she in the eternities? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth that in in. In heaven, there will there will be neither be marriage. They will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Something to that effect. I, I could have looked it up, but um, so that's the the essence of Jesus is saying that we are going to be like the angels in heaven. I mean, we're not going to be angels. We don't get wings. We don't become angels. We don't because biblically all angels are male and they're very fearsome and and so we don't become angels but we become like them in the sense that there is no marriage we are there to worship christ there's no reproduction we will no longer be having children while we're in heaven at least as far as we can tell from everything the bible says so again when i get to heaven i'm going to be able to look and and see my wife and go Hey, we were married on earth and we had these children and now we are together in a, a brotherly brother, sister, um, bride of Christ manner where we are now worshiping the Lord eternally. Um, it's not like we're going, I, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, it doesn't give us pictures of how we live or anything like that, but we do know that Jesus made this statement that. There is no marriage in heaven. There, there's no continuation of the marital covenant on earth because that is replaced with the, the marital covenant between church and Christ. And so, and again, that's not a, a reproductive sexual union. It is a, a, a wholly different um, situation. And so... Jesus does make it very real. And then again, you're talking about authority and so on. And, 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 and it, this whole issue and, and thought of being sealed, and that leads into other things of, of becoming gods of your own planets and stuff like that and so on and so forth. Everyone talks about our families are sealed together, but then you're going to go be gods in different planets. So if your children were sealed, they're not going to be with you. Your children are not. They're supposed to be going to be gods of their own planets. And and so, again, we, we come up with these disconnects in the the weird Mormon doctrine that this really, I mean, where did this come? I don't, I, I don't understand what caused Joseph to, to come up with this other than, you know, whether or not a lot of it, the baptism for the dead was uh, to appease his mother and the, the, the thought that, the, the younger brother of Joseph, uh, who died as a baby, would be able to be in heaven because they could be baptized for him because somebody told him that if you weren't baptized, you weren't going to heaven. And so maybe this was a whole, you know, whether it be to Emma or his mother to say, you know, when his father died or something like that, and she was uh, sad that the marriage was over. He's like, oh, no, we'll seal you to him. And then they started sealing each other to, you know, to multiple wives and women who were already married to other men. And so this whole idea of being sealed and, and this this doctrine is just wrought with with corruption and confusion. And they don't really understand like what their bodies are going to be like so they're just going to be like this 
ethereal right. spirit. No, yeah, and praising and God and like, probably, oh, there's my, he was my husband before. I think like, that goes into our next, our next phase. And that's not really true either, because we know our bodies are going to be glorified like Christ was. It's not going to be like this ethereal thing. We are going to have a physical body. We understand that. We recognize that. Um, you know, between death and the time of the resurrection, what does that look like? You know, the Adventists say it's a soul sleep. Uh, Orthodox Christians believe absent from the body is present with the Lord. So there is kind of an ethereal period before we are resurrected and, and given our glorified body. So we know what it is. I mean, we, we're not confused on that, but we're also not confused on the fact that, that we are there to worship Christ. And my wife, when, when after the resurrection will no longer be my wife, it's not like I'm not going to know who she is or who she was or that we were and, 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 you know, have the great memories and so on, but we are going to be different and our relationship will be different because our focus of our adoration and so on will be focused in a different direction. Favorite thing, because <laughs> um, the, the actual oh, yes. physical resurrection and being a glorified being, being like God, right? that's, I feel like, pretty unique. Yes. The whole afterlife, everything about the afterlife yeah. gives me so much peace. Like, even if I were to someday lose all faith in the church i don't think i could ever join another church because yeah the only the, church the only concept church of the afterlife i would join is, is the buddhist which isn't a church it's a you know because like interesting because weird flex bro but okay but i mean yeah the mormon idea of the afterlife is very unique and very um unbiblical but it you know, again, the the whole issue of becoming gods and, and ruling over your own planets. But but Orthodox Christianity recognizes that we will be resurrected and we will have glorified bodies. Um, we'll have glorified bodies like Christ, but we will not be completely exactly like Christ because he's God and we cannot become God. You know, God says it in Isaiah that no... There was no God formed before me, neither shall there be after me. That's a pretty pointed statement that contradicts most of LDS afterlife teaching. They become a Buddhist. I, I think they're on point in a lot of ways, but uh, anyway, sorry. Keep going. Well, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah. The afterlife, there's so many things about it, like... I, I get we're, that we're like, not diving praising in. God and just like worshiping him for all eternity. That sounds great and peaceful and everything, but it just like is well, something missing. My, Did I miss something? My favorite you know, part, wanna, like if I were to pitch it to somebody, be like, why is our version of the afterlife better than yours? It's because I think it just gets to like everything you've worked for here, just like your relationships, who you are, like just having fun. Like it just, it it's means something. Right. It's not like, okay, you've all made it to heaven, now you're all exactly, like, it's like, if you love soccer here on earth, like, you could probably heaven play soccer continue, like, it, who you are continues, and I'm not saying we're going to play soccer in heaven, but I'm not saying we're not. Again, that's such a weird... To, to think that other Christians don't believe that we carry our memories and our our you know knowledge of, of what things were like here. I mean, nowhere does it say we don't. 
but it does basically state that we are um, we are changed. We are different. Um, and, and so, again, and he was kind of playing around with the whole thing. Something is missing kind of thing. How insulting is it to Christ to say that the way that you've pointed out of what the afterlife is, spending eternity with you is not enough for me. I need more. I need my marriage. I need my, my works. I need my, my stuff. How insulting to Christ. He went to the cross, paid the penalty for man's sins, so that if man will repent and put their trust in him, that they can have that eternal life. And then you're going to look at him and go, yeah, not enough for me. You, you know, like, it's just... The, the, the I imagine you would be allowed to play soccer if you so chose. <laughs> and it's just, I just, it just, I just love the concept, like, you, you get to keep enjoying life. Keep learning, keep, keep learning, growing. But to a millionth, like, an right. nth degree. You're not, you know? you're no longer limited by your body and your and, and, incapacities here. And not to mention spiritual matter, like, what is that and how that improves our experiences. Like, guys, it's deep and cool. <laughs> Yeah. I think go, that what goes hand in hand with the afterlife is the pre-mortal life. Like the right. fact that you didn't just like poof into existence. What do you need? What do you need? Because God created you. Like right. you didn't have a definite beginning. Like you've always been around and you will always be around. And we've always been part of God's life and plan too. Yeah. It's like it's not this God's like, hmm, I want more children. Therefore, I will just like it's this. Boom. We're children. part of it. You know, it's uh -huh. it's this eternal round of progression for all of us but what about when god wasn't there god wasn't again your your whole issue of the pre-mortal existence falls apart when you continue to go backwards and backwards and backwards because i mean was it just the organization of intelligences so you're not spiritual offspring or are you literally spiritual offspring of Elohim and a spirit mother? And how did that happen? I mean, again, was it, there was a sexual union and they got pregnant and they had spirit babies and then those spirit babies come to earth. But then again, you're saying that we've always been there. So, how, I mean, did, did I don't want to get crass, but as you're thinking that that this Elohim spiritual figure, uh, exalted man become a god is having intercourse with his spirit wife and um impregnating her with some kind of spiritual semen or seed but that's always been around so did it did it the intelligence wait until they're you know mid coitus and then shoot into elohim's body somehow and out through and then impregnate do you, do you see how that falls apart and we couldn't always have been there because, again, that man Elohim had to have had that happen to through his father, and his father had to have that happen, to, and and so on, and so on, and they told three friends, and they told three friends, and, and and eternal regression cannot happen because the finite material of the universe falls apart. So it can't be. You've you've lost. You're you're taking away God's ability to create ex nihilo and you're saying god doesn't have that ability you have now limited god so all of these things 
takes away from the nature of who God is. Bless. Yeah. So, Justin, a lot of people are probably noticing by now that we haven't talked a lot about Jesus Christ. And shouldn't be, shouldn't he be the best reason to be a member of the church? That's why we save the best for last. We believe that if you want to get to know Jesus Christ, this is where you go. Yeah. Like, you can read the Bible all day long. The Bible's great. And learn a lot about him. But, like, he still lives. And because of that, he broke the bonds of death, so everyone will be resurrected. So, like, for that alone. That's biblical as well. You don't need the... LDS Church to understand that Jesus is still alive. It's been the belief of Orthodox Christianity for thousands of years, far longer than Joseph Smith's figment of his imagination, which became the Book of Mormon. One is amazing, but a lot of people believe that. Yeah. But then the fact that we believe that he still lives and we focus on that he still lives and we believe that he continually is influencing our lives. Not in a sense that, like, oh, he did something great and it helps us. It's no, like, today he's thinking about us. Right. And, like, today. Where do you get this in, in, in the LDS church? I mean, you focus on testimonies, modern-day prophets, uh, latter-day prophets, Joseph Smith. you got the uh, – where – I mean, even Christmas time. You celebrate Joseph Smith's birth, which is December 23rd, and far less. I, remember, I was Mormon for 19 years, so I know we did not do a whole lot of celebrating of Jesus being alive or anything like that. The only thing with Jesus was the tagline on your prayer. That was pretty much it. Now, and, and, and again, so granted, I have not been LDS for uh, 20... I get trying to do math 27 years. Um, so granted, I, I left the Mormon church 27 years ago. So maybe something has changed in, in the, in the um, adoration and worship of Christ in 27 years. But I really doubt it because I talk to you guys all the time and it's just not there. The, the focus is, Revelation, the focus is works, the focus is temple. I mean, I, I, Jesus is not a big priority for the majority of LDS people. He's influencing us and, um, and like, not, not to mention all of like the revelation and what the prophets say, like, if you want to get to know him today, right? like we have modern revelation that's like, this is what the Savior said last month you know yeah to paraphrase right right, right right and like and all the different volumes of scripture we get so much heat for right not having just the bible but here's the thing if if mainstream christianity discovered that there was another gospel written by another one of the apostles and they found it wouldn't they just lose their minds that there's like more of what christ said blasphemy brah yeah like <laughs> That's no exactly way. what the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants right. are all about. Like these are. Th so now I have to come back and ask you guys the same question that I presented to David in in the last video in the la in his segment. Why do you ignore Matthew Gill and the Book of Jeremiah? Why do you, why are you not embracing that as another? He says it's another testament of Jesus Christ. Why haven't you read that and prayed about that? 
that's my question for you guys. I actually put it in your comments of your video and nobody got back to me on that one. It probably actually deleted the question. I have to go back and look again. But um, yeah, so why are you not, if this, if, if extra biblical scripture is such an amazing, wonderful thing, why have you not embraced the book of Jeremiah? And why haven't we gotten more? Things that Christ said at this other time in this other place to these other people, isn't that just as important as what he said to the Jews? Anything Jesus Christ says is the most important. Yes. You know, like that yes. bottom line, if he said it, then we should be learning it. And that's that's why that's one of the biggest reasons why you should join the other's church, because we believe that this is his church. Right. Like that. Yes. Yes. Joseph Smith was a prophet called to aid in the restoration. Mm -hmm. But. But that's only because that's God only because God called him to, to do, do that. But this is Jesus Christ's church. And and like our understanding of the atonement of Jesus Christ's atonement and what that means and how it applies to us. Like there's some scriptures in the Book of Mormon that you're not going to get anywhere else. Right. That, the Book of Mormon has so much doctrine on Christ's right. atonement that you would not find. And and I, I know it comes across like kind of like elitist where we're like, we think we're better than everyone else. And they're like, that is not true. When I return from daily strife to... All other religions are an abomination. They're, all, all, all other religions are false. Their creeds are an abomination, the professors of which are corrupt. That's the bottom line. That is the foundation of the LDS church. You don't think that makes you better than everybody else? That's not elitist? That's not that you're literally different? Why is this not one of your reasons for joining the LDS church? Why did you not pick those words of Jesus if they're so important? Why did you not use those words to try to convince people to join the LDS church? and wife how pleasant is the life i lead it is far and we have a better understanding of how much less better we are than everyone else right yeah amen i think i had enough <laughs> negatives yeah. there to get the point across. but like yeah, it's just a truth we believe and that's that's a whole other subject right yeah that like we're gonna talk, people we're gonna like on my mission something. every day and even not on my mission but just like the, the concept of truth like tr like everyone believes in relative truth mm -hmm. and like that's true for me find it's true your for truth. me yeah find your truth but the, the con but we but we don't really ascribe to that you know we, we think neither do orthodox christians truth is not relative truth by definition is absolute that is one of my taglines i've said it for years truth by definition is absolute it is not relative anything else is an opinion and so for you to say that that we believe in relative truth is is kind of a misnomer now there's a lot of people out there that do buddhists for one um, and, and so, yeah, um, so they're finished that up. the sun rises and the sun sets and that's a truth just as much as Jesus Christ is the physical head of his church. I don't know. It's cool. Amen. So, and you can figure it out, you know, you, and you can figure it out for yourself as always. Um, we invite you to pray, to study the book of Mormon because you can actually figure it out. All right. Enough of that. So here's the thing. Here's, here's. Something that they didn't mention, and again, I would come back and say, why did you not just go to, which is what the, the missionaries used to do when I was a kid, that was what missionaries did. They always took you back to the first vision, and those words were, were key. Those words were not words that, that, you, that any LDS person was embarrassed of, which it seems like you guys are. No LDS person was embarrassed of the words that Christ spoke 
supposedly spoke to Joseph Smith that said all those religions when he said which church should I join and Jesus said to him none of them they're all false their their creeds are an abomination and the professors of which are corrupt that was the reason why people should join the LDS church when I was young because it was the only true church and now with the advent of the internet and all of the the sordid corrupt history has come up you've had to back you had to back away from that you had to back away from that and quit going because and then again the other thing was oh well you're you guys just bash the mormons you're mormon bashing you're mormon bashing your church was literally found upon christian bashing if that's a definition of bashing, which I don't like. I hate that term because that term to me, bashing carries a physical violence connotation to it, which I, I don't see happening to Mormons today. Um, happens to Christians all over the world, but not so much to the Mormons anymore. There was a moment, Hans Mill, so on. Um, but literally, if you if you take the martyrdom of Mormons and the people that Mormons killed at Mountain Meadows Massacre, Mormons m murdered more people than Mormons have been martyred. Say that uh, 10 times real fast. But again, they're, they're not coming back to this true church thing. And notice the one thing that they never, ever said. They mentioned atonement, but they never talked about salvation. They never talked about salvation in the sense that the Bible talks about salvation, that we are sinners in need of a savior. I will give you one reason why you should get the heck out of the Mormon church and find an Orthodox Christian church to, to, to become a part of. And that is because the Jesus of the Mormon church is false. The gospel of the Mormon church is false. There is no salvation offered within the, the, the doctrines and teachings of the LDS church because it's based on works. And that is, again, another insult to Christ. It is our salvation is all based upon the works that Christ did on our behalf. So you are a sinner and you are in need of a savior and a salvation that you cannot get from the false Christ, the false God, the false gospel of the Mormon church. It can only be found in Orthodox Christianity and biblical Christianity. And I have to say Orthodox because there's a lot of weird crackpot uh, false teaching uh, churches out there. Stephen Furtick, Joel Osteen, you know, the Creflo Dollar and T.D. Jakes, and the list goes on and on. Stay tuned tomorrow for uh, another episode of False Teacher of the Week. Um, shameless plug. But we, the reason why we come to Christ is for salvation, that we are destined for hell because of the sin that we have committed. And, and Mormonism is a universalist religion, so everybody gets to go to heaven. Whether they repent or not, they get to one level of heaven or another. So that Nazi soldier who killed that Jewish person, whether he repents or not, he's going to go to the ter terrestrial or telestial kingdom. Um, what I can't remember the the I always get the two bottom ones flip flopped, and uh, so he's going to go to that bottom level of heaven, whether he repents or not. But Jesus says that that those who believe in him will have will not perish but have everlasting life, but that those who do not believe are condemned already, that those who have sinned 
and and fallen short of the glory of God, the wages of those sins is death, that they are destined for hell, eternal conscious torment. But God made a way through Christ, his son, through Christ, God incarnate. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he went to the cross and he bore the penalty for our sin so that if we will repent, acknowledge our sin, our need for a savior, and that only by his works can we be saved and none of our own so that we cannot boast, then he gives us his righteousness. He takes upon himself, took upon himself on the cross, the penalty for our sin, and we are saved. That is the reason to, to, to come to Christ. I, I, I hate to use the terminology to join Christianity, but membership is a real thing. It's important. You should be a member of a local church. So that way you can receive church discipline and, and, and truly fall under the authority of elders and so on. That's a, a conversation for another day. But to become a Christian, to repent and put your faith in Christ, to be transformed, that is the reason why we come to Christ. It's not because of revelation and it's not because of of a weird a marital idea of the afterlife and so on none of those reasons are reasons to come to to christ other than i need my sin forgiven and how do we how do we present that to people as as i always say uh, preach the gospel at all times use words because they're necessary and until next time Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.